Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. I am joined this morning here on our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota is answering those questions uh, this morning. Mary, good to hear from you. Oh, Denny, good morning. It's June and everything is in bloom in the garden. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. And I, I don't want to be, sound selfish, but uh, at least in my uh, neck of the woods, we need rain. What do you think? Oh. We, we definitely need rain. If you've planted anything new this year for trees or shrubs, uh, even you know perennial flowers, yes, we really have to think about watering them. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, you want to talk with Mary, either talk with her on the phone or send Mary a text like folks are doing both, phones and text. Here's the number for either, 651-461-9226. And if you're a regular listener of our Smart Garden Show, you know how busy 
we tend to get, especially during the growing season. So call or text 651-461-9226. Right away, right off the bat, uh, Mary Mike is calling in from uh, White Bear Lake with a question. Let's uh, grab that phone call first. Thank you, Mike. What's your question for Mary? Hi, Mary and Denny. Um, I had a question. We just had an above-ground pool put in it, and they regraded the whole whole yard so there's no grass anymore. I'm debating about uh, sod or grass seed, and if I did the grass seed, what would be the best type for uh, mainly sunny sunny type of uh, lawn? Well, uh, sod or seed, it it always is a consideration. Sod, of course, is going to be fast. You're probably going to be using that area around your pool with a hot weather. Now we're in the summertime. So so the good thing about sod is it is quick, uh, and you can walk on it, use it kind of really pretty much right away. With seed, um, seed I like. I prefer seed personally myself, but it does take longer to get established. And right now where we are in June and with hot weather coming, it, it is going to take longer. You have to restrict walking on the area. You need to water it uh, quite regularly, and it, you need to be off of it for, it's going to be at least two weeks, probably closer to three or four weeks before you'd actually be able to start mowing it. Uh, so yeah, that is, a, it's a tough uh, choice, Mike. And then as far as what kind to use, uh, if you buy sod, most sod is going to be premium Kentucky bluegrass or a mixture with perennial ryegrass. When you go to seed, you can really choose a lot more kinds, and you can always choose seed of fine fescues. So the fine fescues are lower maintenance grasses. They require less water. And in the long term, you don't have to mow them as much. They're slower growing. Um, so if I was going to do seed, I would get a mixture of Kentucky bluegrass, perennial rye, and the fine fescues. But, um, you know, if it was personally my area with kids and so on, I, I would be tempted at this point in time to go with sod, at least sod for a portion of it, maybe that you can use to get access to the pool, maybe fence off another area so you could do seeding in the other area. But um, good question. Yeah, and either way, I would guess, uh, having some uh, sod put in last year at my house, you're going to have to water it and you're going to have to watch the restrictions. So either way, yes. you, uh, you're yeah, going to have to water. That's right. Either Very good point, Danny. Either way, you're going to have to water. Where the sod's been growing, uh, boy, the water's been on all the time. And then they just they go cut it off and then bring it to your house. But it's, yeah, it's, it's very dependent on water until the roots get uh, established. Yeah. Good luck. With, good luck with that. Uh, the text came in real early this morning, and not a plant question, they say. But where do you think the hummingbirds are? Evidently, and I, not I couldn't tell you that. Actually, I've seen quite a few this spring, and so they, the hummingbirds are looking for plants that are out that are in flower and. Oh, one of the shrubs now that's flowering, uh, Philadelphus, the mock orange, is usually something that you can see the hummingbirds on, can see the butterflies on that uh, shrub as well. But hummingbirds are out there feeding on whatever is blooming that has some nectar for them. And if you put out a hummingbird feeder, I, hopefully you will, will see them um, as well. But I, I have seen some, and I have not heard anything that there is um, 
a reduction with bird numbers for hummingbirds. But of course, we do see that with a lot of insects and a lot of other birds because of the reduction in habitat and um, changes in weather conditions. Yeah, true. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Let's uh, grab another phone call. I think Jim is on the horn calling in from uh, Maplewood this morning. Jim, you're on CCO with Mary. Hi. I have a question about tree watering bags. Uh, Do you see any downside to using them? Uh, I think tree watering bags are good. Uh, They are a way to slowly have an amount of water released uh, to the the, uh, plant. Um, There has been some comments that um, they're too close to the tree trunk and they're not further out. But a lot of times those bags, alligator bags, are put on new trees. And basically, new trees, they haven't got a big root system because it's the root system is what you put in the ground. So that's usually fairly small. But with time and over time, you need to move beyond just watering the trunk. And we have a lot of good resources online about watering at extension.umn.edu. But one of the best ways is you take the hose and you... Um, Consider four quadrants, four areas around the tree so that you actually go three to four feet out from the trunk of the tree and you put the hose down for four areas around the tree so that you actually go three to four feet out from the trunk of the tree and you put the hose down for 15 minutes in each of these four quadrants. So that is a a, a way to water as the tree grows. But in the beginning, you've got to do something. And the slow release with a gator bag is certainly better than nothing. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Let's grab another call before we break. Uh, Pat calling from St. Cloud, Minnesota this morning. Pat, uh, thank you for the call. What's your question for Mary? Good morning. My question is, I was given three drift roses, and they were in very bad shape. Um, they're in the their store pots still, and they have no leaves or very few leaves on it. They're just they're green. The stems are green still, but should I cut them back, you know, half off, or just keep watering them? Gosh, no leaves. Uh, yeah, that's going yeah. to be a challenge. Now it may have been insects or something that fed on the leaves. Uh, um, I don't think pruning is the issue, Pat. I, I think really, um, yeah, a, a water, but uh, probably not going to need a lot of water because the the leaves are not there to really uh, even use the water or lose it. I would keep them in a, a kind of a shady area outside. I would water them, but they're not going to dry out very much and just see what happens. Um, if there's... Uh, if they're still alive, you will see leaves come out on the stems. And after that, you'll be able to tell what's dead and alive. It might be that the uh, new growth comes back just at the base, right down near the soil line. And if that's the case, then the, the stems will die and you can cut them off. But I wouldn't do any pruning until you see new growth. 
All right. Very good. Let's take a quick break, Mary. Invite our listeners to join in on the conversation, either by phone or by text. 651-461-9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, we're at 73 degrees. We're on our way to near 80 with a chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Again, right now, 73 from News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday here on CCO Radio in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages this morning from Mary Meyer from the U of M answering those Smart Garden questions. And as usual, Mary, a lot of callers and a lot of texters as well. And after the break, after we uh, look at that forecast at the bottom, let's talk a little bit about the Arboretum. I'm sure it is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. this uh, listener texted in earlier, and then we'll grab some phone calls, said uh, they want to use, uh, what can they use in their garden for grubs? Uh, that's something that is organic but won't kill the tomato plants. Well, first I'd try to figure out what grubs really are bothering the tomato plants uh, and, and actually find some of the actual grubs. Uh, one of the entomologists at the U, Vera Krischek, is actually looking for grubs to do a study with Japanese beetles and, and asking gardeners to contact her so she can collect grubs to actually do her uh, research. Uh, we don't usually see so many grubs in the soil in a vegetable garden because grubs are actually more feeding on a lot of roots like grass roots, and they're usually in our lawn rather than the vegetable garden. So before you actually use any type of a chemical, I really try to figure out what are the grubs that are there and how many are there. Because if you're just seeing one or two, that's something that you can hand pick and remove. We don't normally have a problem with soil grubs and tomatoes. So I'd really try to get to the bottom of what what uh, what what grub is it? Okay, identify that. Identify right. that, right. Another phone call in store here. Mark is uh, phoning in this morning from West St. Paul, I believe. Thanks for waiting, Mark. What is your question for, for Mary? Oh, hi, Mary. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we planted some uh, eggplant and green pepper plants and don't seem to be growing very much. And also the color of the leaves are kind of a, like a yellow-green and we were wondering what's going on with them. Well, Mark, I hope they're in full sun because the uh, vegetables need full sun conditions. Yellow green or yellow color more than dark green can indicate a lack of nutrients. Uh, so if you didn't use any fertilizer in the planting hole when you put the plants in, I would consider using some fertilizer around the plants. Uh, granular fertilizer will last through the summer. Liquid fertilizer is great, and you'll see a quick response, but it will only be available for a week or so. And, of course, we do recommend you get a soil test at some point, and through the university you can tell what the nutrient levels are um, of your plants. But with the color you describe, it sounds to me like the uh, fertilizer could be an issue, lack of fertilizer. Listener, excuse me, sent a text saying uh, they have holes in the outer leaves of cauliflower. Should they be doing something about that? 
Well, holes indicate something's eating that leaf, and the brassicas, which cauliflowers in that or cabbage family, we have a lot of things that love to eat those leaves. Uh, the white butterfly that flies around, the cabbage looper will lay its eggs, and then you'll see this tiny little green caterpillar. And it is really hard to find these caterpillars. They're the exact same color as the leaf. And so that's, you see the hole and then you try to find the caterpillar and remove them by hand. Um, that is the most common thing. If there's actually a hole, it's the cabbage looper. Now this spring I tried something new in my vegetable garden. Maybe many of our listeners have already used these floating row covers. It's like a white, very fine, lightweight little blanket that you put over your plants, especially in the spring when they're small. And I use that not on cauliflower, but on broccoli, kale, collards and cabbage and I just took it off and that eliminated any pests any insects from getting on those crops and um, once they get bigger they tend to be more resistant and the first cycle for the insect could have already passed so look carefully do a good inspection and hopefully you can hand pick off any of the small worms on your cauliflower very good Back to the phones we go. Betty calling in this morning from St. Mi- uh, Michael, I think. Uh, Betty, thanks for waiting. What is your question? Hi there. I've got some questions about orchids. I've been given some orchids, and I am trying to keep them alive. I was just wondering, do you ever have to transplant an orchid? Uh, transplanting, uh, maybe, if they get to be really big and they have a lot of leaves, but usually transplanting is not the issue with the orchids. Orchids, you know, are epiphytes. They actually live in uh, on trees uh, in the tropics, and they don't really need soil. So we put them in, of course, in a container because, you know, we want to watch them and and enjoy them, but they don't really uh, need much soil. So, but watering is really tricky with an orchid, and uh, they need water, but they don't want to stand in water, and they want their roots to get wet, but then they want to the, to be quite uh, uh, quite a lot of air around the roots. So the big challenge is watering them. We do have information specifically on growing orchids. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn, that's often on the show. Uh, she's a great orchid aficionado, and she's gotten orchids to bloom and rebloom. And it, to me, the hardest thing is watering them, and then they like okay. good light, and they do need regular fertilization. So I would uh, pay attention to your watering to soak them really well, and then let them dry out in between times. But also visit the website and look at the publications on orchids at extension.umn.edu. Great, uh, great resource for sure. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Uh, Let's take a break for weather. We'll come back. We have about another half hour of the show to go. So phone callers, stay there. Texters, we'll uh, grab your text messages when we come back. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO.
Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning from Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, before we broke, we uh, mentioned about uh, heading to the Arboretum. It's It's got to be just almost perfect right now. <laughs> Oh, it's certainly wonderful to see it, Denny. And as I said, June is the month for everything to bloom. There are lots of things blooming at the Arboretum and our state flower. The lady slipper is in bloom now. So in the bog and the wildflower walk, you can see the beautiful pink and and white uh, lady slipper. Uh, Peonies are out. Iris is just finishing, but lots of iris uh, still coming. Baptisia, things are starting to bloom in the prairie, and many of our shrubs, like the mock orange, are blooming. Uh, there's also a bicycle race this morning out at the Arboretum. You know, the Arboretum is for years had a three-mile drive, and now we have Pete Moe Eastern Drive, which adds to the uh, paved uh, road area at the Arboretum. So there's a bicycle loop going around there this morning. But many other things going on, and the farm at the Arb is open. You can see the the farm and vegetable crops that are there. You can look at the honeybees, as well as the uh, all the traditional uh, plants that are blooming. You do still need to get uh, reservations, but there's lots of reservations um, available. Wonderful place to take a walk and enjoy the beauty of summer. And those reservations, I mentioned it in uh, past shows, it really makes the parking so much easier, so much more efficient, in my opinion, anyway. Yes, it really does. And if they're weddings, you know, they're often weddings now or events at the Arboretum Memorial Services. Um, And if there's a large wedding with 200 people there, then that is um, taken into account with the public reservation. So, yes, it's a way of knowing when things are going to be really busy. And people might remember the big stick structure that was made out of willows, the You Betcha Palace, that great big thing, (laughs) the willow structure, you can see that from Highway 5. That's going to come down shortly. It's been up, I think, for four or five years now. So if you've had fun running or looking through that willow sculpture, I think through the end of this month is how uh, much longer it's going to be. But that was a temporary uh, exhibition and it's been a, a lot of fun, but that's going to be coming down soon. Yeah, check it out, the Arboretum. Uh, just go west on Highway 5 to 41, pretty close. That's the intersection. You can see it right uh, right about there. Uh, Mary, we've got callers. We have Texas. Let's see how many folks we can uh, help out before our show is over. Doug, this morning calling in from uh, Blaine. I think Doug is still there. Thanks for waiting, Doug. What is your question? Yes, I'm still here. Good morning. Mary Meyer, I have a question about creeping bellflower. We looked on the Internet. We have about six flower gardens, and we learned that it's an invasive species. The only way to get rid of it is to pull it out, which we're painstakingly doing. The root system is unbelievable. But where can we dispose of it? We're putting it in plastic bags now, but where can we dispose of it? Good question, Doug. Yes, creeping bellflower has got a root system that, um, yes, it's advised with Canada thistle. That's a difficult thing. You go, you see how big that root system is, so the huge reserves in that, so it can keep coming back again and again. Uh, where can you dispose of it? Well, the best thing, the plastic bags, if I were you, I would leave those plastic bags in the sun for uh, a week. 
and then the hopefully what's inside is dead. And then I would go to municipal composting in your city. If you have a city municipal composting, I'd put it there, but not the plastic bags. But you could consolidate it after that and use it in municipal compost. Now, municipal compost normally gets to a hot enough temperature that it will kill um seeds and it will kill the roots even if you didn't let them die in a plastic bag but that is such a bad plant you will find it shrinks down in a plastic bag because it will just get to mush and muck and then uh, but it will be dead with the heat of the plastic bag well thank you very much because like you said it's got a root system that unbelievable and we know we're not going to get rid of all of it but we're trying to get rid of most of it yeah, taking the tops off, digging out the roots, also plastic uh, mulch, put the plastic over, the heavy plastic over the soil, and yeah, you have to leave that on for about a year. But yes, right. you, you can get rid of it. Good deal. Good work. Uh, I'm going to grab some more text, but let's uh, get another phone call in here before we do that. Ted's calling in from Minneapolis, I believe. Uh, Ted, thanks for waiting. What is your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. Good morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, we have... Virginia creeper on our fence, the perimeter fence. It's grown in beautifully, but we've now run out of fence. Is there any way to control or prune back uh, the uh, Virginia creeper now that it's gone all the way around the fence and now it's starting to go up to the house? Can you prune that without damaging the whole um, system, the, the whole flowering system? Yes, uh, you can, Ted. You can prune Virginia creeper really quite hard. That is a vigorous native vine, and um, it, it's a nice native, and there, there are insects that uh, feed on that, etc. It's not a bad plant, but boy, it can be quite aggressive. It can be really long, too, where it goes, you know, 15 feet, no problem. You won't hurt it with pruning it. All right, very good. Texter wants to know, Mary, what's the secret to growing fuchsia in a container? Well, quite a bit of water, regular fertilization, and good light. Uh, not necessarily hot sun. Fuchsia likes cooler temperatures. I've seen the largest fuchsia ever over in England, cool conditions with England. So uh, I, I would just say fertilization, regular watering. And if it's been in a pot for quite a while, you might consider uh, repotting it. But if you just bought it this year, I wouldn't worry about repotting. Just uh, f- fertilize with liquid fertilizer and regular watering. Okay. We had a reference of uh, somebody not seeing hummingbirds uh, yet uh, this year. But I just see a text that came in a bit ago that said, I saw my first hummingbird yesterday. So appreciate that. Uh, another text, uh, Mary says, how far back can you trim a dogwood? Most of the dogwoods, there are a lot of dogwoods native to Minnesota. You can do quite hard pruning on a dogwood. And in fact, many of them, the red twig dogwood, the yellow twig dogwoods, some people prune these back to the ground um, in early spring because they want those bright new colors on the stems. So you can prune quite a bit on a dogwood. Now, a lot of dogwoods are in flower right now, 
I I do the pruning real early in the spring before the f- leaves come out, but you can do a pruning right now, especially after the flowers are gone. Lots of insects uh, and birds feed on dogwood, so it's a great native shrub. Okay. We are seeing, Texter says, an unusually high number of spider mites around the yard and garden this year. What can be done about them is their question. Well, spider mites, the true spider mites are insects that like dry, hot weather. So guess what we have been having? And they tend to really come out and be favored with dry conditions. Uh, Spider mites, mites are a different type of insect. They require special insecticides if you're going to control them. But sometimes you can reduce their populations with just uh, hosing off your plants and spraying them. But I would recommend that you really um, make certain that spider mites are what you have. They're, they tend to get on certain plants. They like certain plants. They tend to be on the underside of the leaf. They create a web-like, a spider-like web. But they're not really a spider. They, they are a mite. And they're small, often microscopic. But again, through the website, identification of the insects that you have is the first thing you need to do in controlling them. Okay. Mary, this uh, listener planted two apple trees this spring. Something is eating the leaves, they say, right down to the stems. Noticed a couple areas with spidery web stuff on it. What is it and what kind of treatment should we use? Well, if the leaves are gone... You know, this the, the more the leaf that's gone, the bigger the animal that ate it. So maybe deer, uh, maybe rabbits, uh, not rabbits usually, but uh, deer eat, uh, they like apples, apple trees. So it might be something like that. But there's a plus, there are so many insects that get on apples that um, they're a challenge, but they're certainly worthwhile growing. Um, I use the sticky uh, fake red apples that I put in my apple trees for a lot of insects to come on these apples, thinking they're a real apple and they're just a bait to get the the. Uh, insects. Uh, There's some other organic methods that you can use. So again, I would look on the extension.umn.edu website and what's eating my plant and look under apples and find pictures that look like what you have. But there's also a lot of things you can do to control the pests on apples and Hopefully you'll have enough apples that uh, even without some control, you'll be able to have them as well as the insects. Very good. Uh, Mary, we're going to take a quick break. We'll uh, be right back uh, when we come back on the other side. But if you want uh, a great resource, we always would recommend that you check out the University of Minnesota website, extension.umn.edu. Just a great, great uh, website and uh, I think one of the best in the country, as a matter of fact. But anyway, we'll uh, do that, take a break, come right back with more questions for Mary Meyer from the U of M here on News Talk 830. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. That'll be right after the 9 o'clock news break. In the meantime, Mary Meyer from the U of M answering those lawn and garden questions this morning, and we have many as usual. Here's one for you, Mary. Can a birch tree be pruned and or a two-inch limb be removed at this time? 
Yes, uh, you can prune a birch tree now, a two-inch limb. Yeah, that's quite a bit. But yes, you can prune uh, birch trees now. I would not prune ash, and I would not prune oak, but birch is okay. Someone wants to know, do you have a good recipe for a natural weed killer? Ah, yes. I don't know, Denny. If I had that... I don't think you and I would need to be on this show. But, you know, there are a lot. The the easiest one is really hot water. Now, of course, that will topically kill uh, a plant and and ants and things like that. But hot water, it will kill kind of everything there. So, yeah, that's hard. Then you hear about vinegar, too. Vinegar, acetic acid, really strong, straight out of the bottle or even diluted with water. That can top kill, kill just the plant on the top, but won't kill the root system. So um, that's really hard. It depends. You know, the first thing is where do you have the weeds? And uh, then I can, uh, what's the weed? Where do you have it? Is it an annual or perennial? Then you can uh, kind of figure that out. But um yeah, I'm sure that we have some other uh, preventative methods that are up on the extension.umn.edu website. But I, I'd figure out what's the weed you're trying to kill first. Yeah. I remember we used to get uh, uh, messages from listeners who've used borax, but I've heard that can sterilize the soil. Yes, yeah. So borax, yeah, has a boron in it. Uh, it's chemical. So yeah, you have to be careful with things like that because while yes, it might kill what's there, it might also stay there, and then you can't really grow anything there. So yeah. Okay. Challenge. This uh, listener planted an eight-foot honey locust tree last fall. Looks good this year, except the top foot of the leader is not leafed out. Can I trim this dead wood now, or do I need to wait for fall? There's a nice branch just below the dead wood that I think would take over for the leader. Yes, you can do that. If you can reach that, if you can figure out how to get up there to reach that, yes, you can prune off anything that's dead. Honey locusts sometimes will do that. It will. It seems to have quite a bit of dead branches and shed some branches. But as long as you've got other green, healthy leaves, that's great. This listener, uh, Mary, has a uh, Rio plant that uh, they bought last year, was able to keep it through the winter. Now that it's nice, it's back outside, but it does not want to bloom. Uh, They say, I've repotted it within the last four days. Anything else I should try to do? So what, can you spell this? What's the name? Uh, Just like like Rio de Janeiro, Rio, like a river in Spanish. Oh, my gosh. I I don't know this plant. I got to look this up. Rio little homework. R E O R H E O. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's R I O. I know. Unless I don't know what a, that plant is. Unless it's a in the, unless it's a typo, uh, and uh, if the texter uh, can double check that for us before yeah, we run out of time. There is a Rio that now I'm seeing. It's kind of like Tradescantia. And more of a tropical plant, and yeah, it's just really it's a house plant for us. So it can be a ground cover outside, but it's a house plant for us. No blooms, so I would say probably a lack of fertilizer. So think about using some liquid fertilizer on that. Okay. 
Uh, good morning. Texter says, would a big pot, about 20 by 20 inches, be big enough to grow a brandywine tomato? Yes, I'd give it a try. Uh, it's amazing how productive you tomatoes can be in, in a container. And yes, a brandy wine, an old-fashioned uh, variety and uh, very flavorful. Just put it in full sun. You're going to need to water it pretty much every day once it gets established. Good luck. This listener says, for a couple of years uh, now, I've used a, quote, tomato leaf tea to spritz on my tomatoes and other plants seems to work very well. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not either. Tomato but, uh, leaf tea. I can guess. I can, <laughs> I can guess too. Tomatoes have a lot of fungal diseases, but they still can be very productive even if they have the diseases, kind of like uh, apple trees. You can still get a lot of apples. But the, the big thing is if they're in containers, they do tend to be a little bit healthier, better air circulation around them, but they will require regular water, lots of water. Here's one, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, but it says, Mary, exclamation point. Why didn't you tell me I can kill geraniums with too much water? I'm 82 years old. Why didn't I know this? Love your show. <laughs> oh, thanks for the laugh. You can kill almost anything with too much water sure. unless it's some aquatic plant. And we have a tendency to do that. I think, you know, we look at a plant and we think, well, it's not doing well. Well, I could probably give it some more water, but... You know, lots of times if a plant is not in enough light in, in our homes, especially if there isn't enough light, then light is the limiting factor, not water. And if you don't see new growth and new leaves, new flowers, and a plant is just kind of at a standstill, then you really have to be careful how much you're watering it. Here's a question we get from time to time. How do you get rid of mushrooms growing in bunches in my yard? Yeah, mushrooms are there on growing on decaying organic matter. Often if there was a tree taken down, their root system, the roots are naturally decaying, and that is a great place for fungi, mushrooms to grow. Uh, just rake them out. Uh, take a, a garden rake or a leaf rake and just rake them out to remove them. They will be very temporary. Actually, they come and go quickly on their own because they are so ephemeral. They're very uh, short lived. But trying to dig out the decaying organic matter is is uh, difficult because there's usually a lot of it. Okay. Do Asiatic lilies need any special protection? Well, hopefully not. Uh, there are some stem-boring insects that we'll get in the Asiatic lilies. Um, they're a really wonderful thing to grow, uh, and they're they're quite uh, hardy. And because they have a bulb, they tend to persist uh, for many years. If you have good sunlight conditions, I think they, they are a good choice for the garden. A couple of minutes to go on the show, Mary. Here is another text. Uh, how do you control slugs that put holes in hostas? This is a real challenge because slugs love hostas. They have that 
big soft leaf and they tend to be in shady areas where slugs really like. So there are a couple things you can do. First of all, not all hostas are attractive to slugs. The bigger, coarser leaves, uh, thicker leaves, sometimes the ones that have the puckering on them, uh, slugs don't like those. So certain types are less um less palatable or less edible as far as a slug. And then coarse mulches. If you have something coarse, the diatomaceous earth, which is ground up seashells, that actually cuts the slug as they're crawling around below it. So coarse mulches. Some people use baits. Uh, you can use that. You can also use traps, just a water in a tuna can that they can get into. A moist environment, put a big rock or a brick underneath your hostas, the slugs will congregate under there. You take up the brick and then you can take the slugs and actually uh, get rid of them. Slugs are actually food for birds and other insects. So, uh, you know, if you increase uh, the wildlife around your area, that can help get rid of the slugs as well. Excellent. Mary, thank you so much. We're out of time, and we look forward to your next visit here on CC. We'll be back, oh. of course, with the Smart Garden uh, next week. But, Mary, thanks again. Always enjoy your expertise. Yes, always a pleasure to talk gardening. Thank you, Danny. You bet. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready next hour here on CCO with Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. Just a reminder, coming along on the uh, health show tomorrow, 7 o'clock, we'll be talking about dementia and Alzheimer's, welcoming your questions. That'll be tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock hour. In the meantime, enjoy the day. We uh, still expect the possibility a 50-50 chance of some showers and thunderstorms today with highs around 80 degrees or so. Right now, northwest winds at 3, dew point 58, getting a little sticky, but otherwise a partly cloudy sky. The current CCO temperature reading 73 degrees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.